our Bibles, please, and turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John, John chapter 4. Such a pleasure to be here with you tonight. We had a good crowd uh, this morning as well. As it so happens, when I preach, sometimes it just uh, boils down to food. I don't know how food gets into the, into the conversation, into the mix, but it does. Tonight's no ex- exception. We are going to be talking about some food tonight. And uh, for those of you who travel or those of you who are food connoisseurs, um, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. Sometimes if I go shopping, I'll, uh, I'll find myself grazing through the aisles, all right? Uh, I won't be tasting it, but, but I'm tasting it. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, boy, that looks pretty good. Let me see how that tastes. Mm, I like that one, too. Uh, sometimes I'll go through the, the area where the, the food's already prepared. Oh, my. And you smell it, and you, you're looking at it, and you, your mouth kind of waters, and are you getting hungry yet? <laughs> well, tonight we're going to be talking about seeking the master's meat. Seeking the master's meat. The master does have food. He has meat. Jesus told his disciples, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And tonight we're going to be talking about that meat, which he told his disciples they knew not of. They didn't know that meat. And perhaps tonight we need to be reacquainted with the meat of the master. Tonight we're going to see that in scripture. So look at John chapter 4. Notice what he says in verse 6. John chapter 4 verse 6. It says, now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Let me just fill in some information here. Jesus was wearied. He was all human. He was all God, both man and God, the God-man. But he was wearied, and uh, he needed something to eat. He needed something to drink. He needed something to refresh himself. He was weary. About the 12th hour means, or 6th hour means it was noon. So they'd been walking. They went down in Samaria. They'd been walking uh, since daybreak or before, who knows. But it's now noon and it's time to take a break. They're at the city of Sychar. Notice what takes place next. Verse 7 says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Now, that word for there, I refer, it refers to the verse before. Why did he ask the woman? Well, because his, his disciples weren't there. Good opportunity to ask somebody else for some water. But you notice what his disciples were doing. They were hungry too. They were tired as well. They went into the city to find some food. Perhaps they thought, <clears throat> you know, we've heard about the Samaritans. And man, can they lay it out. They, they know how to eat down here. I mean, it's like coming down home to to Alabama uh, with biscuits and gravy. I mean, you you know how to do it here. And uh, so the disciples had gone into the city to get get food. Jesus was there. He was wearied. He was wanting some, some water. Of course, he was going to use that in a mighty way. And his disciples then returned. Verse 25. It says, The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah, when the, that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. And when he has come, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. 
In verse 27, and, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talketh with her? Let's skip down a few verses to verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. Now we're going to find something that these, uh, these disciples, uh, like myself, like some others, were a lot of times interested in what are we going to eat next? Sometimes when I'm eating a meal, especially on the mission field, if we're eating a meal, sometimes we'll be talking about what we're going to eat next. Uh, what's, what's going to be on the next meal? Uh, what kind of food we're going to eat next? What kind of local uh, cuisine is available? So in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? They're <laughs> still not getting it. And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that you've laid out very clearly in the scripture the master's meat. I pray we might take close look tonight, but you would open our hearts. Lord, that we might not only receive your word, but we might believe it and obey it. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit not to be grieved with our hearts, with our attitudes tonight, but Lord, that you might speak and convict and convince of your holiness, your righteousness, of your judgment. I'd ask you, Lord, to fill me with your Holy Spirit for your name's sake, for your church's sake, for your word's sake, for your people's sake, Lord, that we might be what you want us to be. For we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Never fails. <clears throat> we just don't get the lesson sometimes. The disciples, uh, <clears throat> they, were, they were with Jesus but they weren't with him. That is, they were with him physically, but spiritually and sometimes mentally, they just didn't have it together. They just weren't thinking on the same plane. They weren't thinking on the same direction as the Lord Jesus Christ was. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the meat of God's will and then the meat of God's work. We'll add some other meats there, but that's exactly what he says. He says... He says, um, I have no meat. I have meat to eat that you know not of. And then he says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. How do we know God's will? That's the first thing. Listen, we need the meat of God's will. Do you know his will? I don't mean just do you know his will. I mean, do you know his will? It sounds like I'm speaking double talk, but what I'm saying is, do you truly know his will? I can use an illustration. Sometimes I've, I've used this before. If, if, you're, if you have an umbrella and you're carrying the umbrella in your hand and you really believe it's going to rain, folks in Florida are getting the rain. And you're walking outside and you don't want to get your head wet and you've got the umbrella. What do you think you ought to do if you really believe it's going to rain? You open the umbrella and put it over your head, all right? That's just as simple as that. But if we really believe that Jesus is God, and we really believe he has a will for us, and if we're following what he says here, the master's meat, meat to eat that you know not of, that meat of doing the will of God, that meat of 
completing his work, doing his work, then I think our lives would be different. We can know about this meat. We can hear it. We can see it. Sometimes we can see the results of it. We can, pardon me, smell it. A good savor. But to taste it and apply it to our life, that's something entirely different. I know some people, some in this congregation, who they know what it is to walk with the Lord. They know what it is to speak to Him, to talk with Him, to fellowship with Him. Not just in salvation, but in every aspect of life. Knowing God's will. Someone has once said, knowing God's will is man's greatest treasure. And it is. What a treasure. To know the God of heaven has a perfect plan, a perfect will for you. What, what a treasure. And it goes on. Not only is knowing God's will man's greatest treasure, but doing God's will is man's greatest pleasure. It's a pleasure to do his will when you know it. How can you know it? Well, you seek him in prayer. You talk to him. Hey, when we pray, God speaks to us. Figure that. We're talking to him. At least that's the, that's the application. That's the theory in prayer. We, we speak to him, but actually he's speaking to us. His Holy Spirit is, is working in us and convicting us as we speak to him. And when we read this word, the Bible, it reads us. Figure that. As we search him in the scriptures, he's searching our hearts all the same time. His Holy Spirit who dwells within is at work constantly and consistently, but we grieve him on every hand and we are complacent. We are careless sometimes, many times, much time. So knowing his will begins with, first of all, seeking him, knowing him. Searching for him in his word. Staying by his side. I shared this passage it's found in psalm 116 hey turn there with me if you would because you might want to mark this i've got it marked in my bible psalm 116 verses 1 and 2 oh my friends powerful verse here's a good reason to pray because god answers prayer psalm 116 Verses 1 and 2. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. I love the Lord. Do you love him? Do you love him? The psalmist says he loves him for a reason. And the reason is, is because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, my prayers. But he didn't stop there. In verse 2, he goes on and says, and because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore, Will I call upon him as long as I live? You see, Jesus, <laughs> he had meat to eat that they knew not of. He has meat to eat that we know not of. The Christian life is so much deeper than just reading our Bibles and praying short prayers and coming to church services and singing some few hymns, going out and knocking on a door or two, telling one or two people about Christ. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. The Christian life is our relationship with the living God who loves us, desires to hear from us, desires of all things for us to fellowship with him. That's why prayer is so vitally important. If we're going to know God's will, if we're going to eat the meat just like Jesus says, the, eat, the, the meat of God's will 
My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. I believe that's his will for us is to do the will of him that sent us. How can we do that? Well, we, we pray. We search for him in his word. We stay by his side in the garden. My grandmother, when she passed away, matter of fact, I think uh, uh, more than one family member had, had the song in the garden sung at the funeral. Good funeral song. Hey, a good song anytime. But it speaks of that communion with Christ, that fellowship with him, that walk with him, that tenderness with him, that intimate relationship with him. Do you have that? Are you experiencing that? Now, we aren't experience-based Christians. We are Bible-based Christians, but it does produce an experience. It does produce a fellowship with him that cannot be denied, a life-changing fellowship. The song says, I, I come to the garden alone. You don't bring anybody else with you. You're there with him face to face, heart to heart. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear Falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other hast ever known. Wow, that's precious. And then you come to the disciples. Then you come to us. Let me read a passage from Mark chapter 8. You won't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it quickly. In Mark 8, 15, Jesus is speaking. And he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's teaching them a lesson. And they reasoned among themselves, the disciples reasoned among themselves saying, it's because we have no bread. (laughs) These guys are thinking on food still. Because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto him, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? <laughs> Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes ye see not, and having ears hear not? And do ye not remember when I break the five loaves among five thousand, and how many baskets of fragments took ye up? And they said unto him, Twelve. And he said, in the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that you do not understand? Because we live in the nasty now and now. And sometimes we're so earthly minded that we can have no heavenly value or little heavenly value. It needs to be the other way around our focus Our fixation ought to be on him, on Christ, on him and his will. So the disciples, (laughs) they, they got something turned around a little bit like we do so often. Again, I, uh, I make it a a practice, my personal practice. uh, No Bible, no breakfast, but not just reading. Okay. I'm going to read a verse because man, I'm hungry. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. No, that's not the idea. That's not the idea at all. That's what the disciples will do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There you go. And all these things shall be added unto you. That's exactly what he said in Matthew chapter 6. He says, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? (laughs) There's the priority of the day. 
Where's the food, Mom? Bring it on. Or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That would be us. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Are you kind of catching the message? You see, Jesus has meat to eat that we really don't know of. We really aren't that familiar with it. He says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And my meat is to do the will of him that was sent. Hey, listen, doing God's will was Christ's food. It was his sustenance. It was that which he delighted in. It was that which he he seeked for. To do his will was the highest prize that he could obtain. It was the very purpose for his coming. He was doing the will of the Father. Could we do any less? We cannot. We need to refocus. We need to focus on him and his perfect will. What's God's will for you? Today, right now. Well, you're here, and we praise God for that. Thank you for that. We assembled ourselves together, and we didn't forsake that assembly. You're here. Appreciate that. What's his will for you tonight? What's his will for you tomorrow? Well, the scriptures give us a lot about the will of God. Jesus said, in, in, in matter of fact, let's just turn to a couple passages because this is worth looking at. He says in, in, in cha- John chapter 5, turn over a page to John chapter 5, verse 30. In John chapter 5, verse 30, he says, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge. John 5, 30. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. He is here to do one thing. to, to, To do God's will. To fulfill God's plan and purpose in his life. We're bought with a price. Therefore... We are not our own. Therefore, we are to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits, which are God's, putting him first. Job said it this way. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. His word and his will, they go hand in hand. They are together. And to Job, he would just about, he would just as well starve to death rather than not to have the word of God. Life-sustaining food. Look what it says in chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 38. Again, Jesus is speaking. John 6, 38 says, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Well, what about our will then? Well, the scriptures are clear. God's given us not just a blueprint. He's given us exact commands of what his will is. Remember in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. Hey, listen, you need to present yourselves unto him as a gift, as an offering to him. Why? Because he's purchased you. He owns you. He says, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed. To this world, but be ye transformed, metamorphosis, from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Metamorph, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may present what is that, that you may prove what is that good and perfect and that, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's the will of God. 
Let me share a few more with you. Ephesians 5.17 says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Do you? Do you? We don't know what's on tomorrow. But he has us here tonight. He desires to lead us and to guide us. He will. He does. But we have to be focused on him, walking with him, desiring to do his will before we desire to do anything else. He is above all. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, this is the will of God. All right, you ready for this one? First lesson, First Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So we're to be separated unto God. We're to have holy lives. We're to be separate from the world. We're to be separate from sin. We're to be separate from self. There's a lot of S's in that pod. God wants us to be sanctified unto him. He goes on and says that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. He's given us these bodies to glorify him, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Simple as that. Listen to what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's another one. That's God's will, that we give him thanks, that we praise him, that with our lips we give honor to him. It says in 1 Timothy 2.4, here's God's will, who have all men to be saved. That's his will. He'll have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, we have a God who has a will. Are you in the middle of it? Are you eating the meat of God's will like Jesus is? His desire, his aim, his purpose was to do the will of the Father. It didn't stop there. Here's the second one. Not only the meat of God's will, here's the meat of God's work. Because he, he, he says, in, in, turn back to chapter 4 again. Look what it says in verse 34. John four thirty four. He says, Jesus said unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That's the key. We're to, we're, he, he wanted to finish his work. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's his work. Jesus came to preach. He says, hey, I, I need to go preach in other cities. For that, That's the reason that I'm called. That's the reason I'm here. His work. How about his work in your life, in my life? How we give him an hour on Saturday to, to witness. We give him an hour here and an hour there. My dear friends, listen, he owns all of us. He owns all of our time. When we stand before him, I'll guarantee you, uh, there's going to be meat to eat that we wish we would have eaten. There's going to be meat to eat that we wish we would have partaken of, that we wish we understood more. God's work. He says in John 6, 27, labor not for the meat which perisheth. Doesn't that fit? Labor not for that kind of meat, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man give unto you, for, for him hath God the Father sealed. And then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Wow. 
He says in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. I'd like you to turn to, to chapter 4, verse 28. Look at verse 28. Here we have the woman. Verse 28 says, The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the man, Come and see the man which told me all things ever that I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Look what it says in verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days and many more believed because of his own words. Let me say this. There's several things that this woman did. If you look at verse 35, he says, Say ye not that there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the harvest. Look on the fields, for they are white already in the harvest. Several things that we have to do. Listen, that, that verse there says, lift up your eyes. Now he's talking to his disciples. Lift up your eyes. I wonder why the disciples were looking down. Well, maybe they're on their cell phone uh, walking and, well, that's dangerous. They weren't driving and looking at the cell phones. Don't you ever do that. By the way, it's dangerous to look at your cell phone. And I was at the hospital the other day and uh, there was a nurse walking down the hospital. She almost ran into me and I said, watch out. That's dangerous. Be careful. They were looking down. Well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. doesn't mean they were looking at their feet. It means they weren't looking the right direction. He says again in verse, in verse 35, he says, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Hey, we're looking the wrong way. We're, we're looking here on the earth. Let's, let's get the heavenly view. Let's get the view of eternity. Lift up your eyes. There's the first thing to do. Lift up your eyes and then do something else. Look on the harvest fields. Look on the harvest fields. For, look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. So many times I've experienced the, the best way to get a burden for a country. And every country I go to, I get a burden for it because I see the vast number of lost people. They're everywhere. Jesus says, I have meat that you know not of. It's to do the will of God and to do the work of God, to complete his work. And how many times do we let our neighbors go by without mentioning Jesus? How many times do we go through a, uh, a checkout line at the supermarket or through a fast food restaurant line and we don't ever give a track? Oh, my dear friends, listen, there's more to life than that. We're looking down. We need to look up. We need to look on the fields. So he says, look down, look up. And then he says, and then we, we see the woman, the woman at the well. She left her pot. There's another L. We lift, we look, and we leave. She left her water pot, went her way into the city, and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things whatsoever I did. Is not this the Christ? She labored. She went back into the city. She left a water pot, which she, which she came to fill with water. It cared, she cared not for that. She had now had the, truly the living water from Christ. The Holy Spirit was in her. She believed that moment she was off and going and working and laboring for the Lord. She went into the city, come and see a man which 
told me everything, uh, all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came unto him. And when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode within two days. He led them. He learned them. Pardon the English. He educated them. He taught them. Can we do any less? What a great God we have. Here's another one. Look what it says in verse 36. Not only in seeking the master's meat, the meat to eat that we know not of, that meat of God's will, the meat of God's work, but there's the meat of God's wages. Verse 36, notice what he says. He says, and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. He's talking about sowing the seed of the word of God. And those who sow the seed of the word of God and others who will come and reap, bring them to Christ, they rejoice together. He says, and herein is that saying, one soweth another reapeth. I send you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into their labors. What a marvelous passage here. Does Jesus have wages? Does Jesus pay? Oh, my friend, uh, his payday is a good day. Matter of fact, you can't, his, his pay is so good. Remember Peter? He says in Mark chapter 10, verse 28, he says, Lo, we've left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said unto you, There's not a man who've left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but that he shall receive a hundredfold now. And that's so true. In this time, and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. What a great God we have. You see, there are wages and Jesus wants us to enter into his wages. Let me ask you the question. Are you seeking the master's will? Are you seeking the master's work? Are you seeking the master's wages? Are you gathering his fruit? Fruit unto eternal life. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth shall, uh, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We have a God who pays and repays and repays and repays. It's worth any effort we give and all effort we give our life to him because Jesus is our Lord. He's our great king. Not only the meat for God's will and the meat of God's work and the meat of his wages. Verse 39 through 42, the meat of God's word. Now we're ready to preach the message. That was the introduction. Well, that woke you up. Notice what it says in verse 39. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all ever I did. Our words are so important and our testimony is too. Our testimony is... You take our, your testimony, how you trusted Christ, and you share that with someone, and you give them the, the word of God as you're giving that testimony. There's nothing more powerful than that. That's exactly what the woman did. I met a man who told me, in everything I ever did, is this not the Christ? And they believed her. And so it says, 
he told me whatever I did. So when the Samaritans were come to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. He abode there two days. Many more believed because of his own words. I wonder what the words were that Christ gave to them. Oh, I know what they were. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Oh, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. Listen, we have the, the same words that Jesus spoke to them, guaranteed. This is his word right here. He gave us the very same words that he spoke to those people. They trusted Christ. Hey, the meat of God's word. Many, many more believe because not only of the, of the woman's testimony, but because of the very words of Jesus. The woman came seeking water. She found eternal life. Hallelujah. The disciples were seeking food, <laughs> as we do so often. They found God's plan for their lives. The Lord was seeking to do God's will. He found lost souls. Here's a question. What will you find when you seek the master's meat? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what you'll find. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. I want you to listen to this passage. I, I wasn't familiar with it until I prepared this message. And wow, this just stuck to my heart. Very, very interesting verse. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, he says, For this commandment which I command thee this day, it's not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it to us? No, this is the word of God. It's right here for us today. That we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thine heart that thou mayest do it. The psalmist said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or the mule which has no understanding whose mouth must be held with bit and bridle lest they come near unto thee. You're not a mule. You're not a horse. If you know Christ as Savior, you're redeemed by his precious blood. You're a child of the King. You're a servant of the Most High. Then let's seek after that meat. That meat that we didn't know of. But as we seek him, he'll reveal himself that we might do everything he wants us to do. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word tonight. God, would you move in our hearts? Such a simple message and such an important message. But ask you, Lord, send conviction.
send comfort. Lord, send understanding that we might, Lord, taste of your precious meat. Not the things of the world, not the things of the flesh, but the things of the spirit, the eternal truths. Lord, that we might be yours. We might have that fellowship with you. We pray in Jesus' holy name.